Well, not surprised here, but USC quarterback Caleb Williams up to his antics again. Is he actually fit to one day lead an NFL team? We're going to get into the latest there. Plus, the latest going on in Michigan. There is a mystery Uncle T, and we are looking to get to the bottom of it. All that and so much more. Outkick the Morning starts right now. Hello, hello, everybody. Welcome on in to Outkick the Morning. I am Charlie Arnold. Hope all of you had a fabulous weekend. I know that I did. Uh, I got to go to Madison Square Garden for the fourth time in two weeks, uh, this time to watch the Empire Classic. My father was in town. We saw Indiana taking on the defending national champion UConn basketball team. And I'll just, I'll just put it very simply, it was not a good game. Uh, Indiana does not know how to rebound, and therefore, uh, they definitely did not win the game. Uh, ended up being a bit of a blowout. Uh, so not so much excitement there, but still fun to have a little bit of a daughter-father bonding time. And uh, now here we are. It's Monday again. Uh, and talking about, oh, you know, players, teams that really just can't get it together. Uh, the USC Trojans regular season, it came to an end over the weekend with USC losing to UCLA 38-20. to And Heisman winning quarterback Caleb Williams giving NFL scouts yet another reason why he is not ready to lead grown men into war, if you will. After the loss on Saturday, Williams refused to speak to the media, which is just really a continuation of his immaturity in regards to neglecting his responsibilities. As a leader, guess what? You can't only step up when times are good. It is especially important to also be the backbone of a team when times are tough. Now, compare when Williams won the Heisman Trophy earlier this year and was eager to literally get in front of every microphone that he could versus now when USC has lost five of its last six games. It's not a good look for him. Even NFL insider Ian Rappaport posted his disappointment over Williams's failure as a leader, comparing him to Joe Burrow on X saying this quote, Joe Burrow learned his season, learned his season was over on Friday. He understood his responsibility. He went out, he held a news conference, the job of a quarterback and face of the franchise. And guess what? This is what I've been saying all along. And it began with him jumping into the stands, crying to his mommy a few weeks back, because this is just not acceptable behavior for a man who could soon be leading an NFL locker room. And for those who want to argue that, oh, he's just a kid. That is what I've been hearing on social media all week long. No, he's not. He is an elite quarterback in an elite football program who is already worth millions of dollars and he knows that he very well could be drafted first overall in the 2024 draft. So if that hasn't sunk into his brain yet and Williams wants to keep making excuses for his weak behavior, then guess what? He isn't cut out for the NFL. Nothing I'm saying is harsh. Uh, some people, no matter how great they are skill-wise, are just not meant to lead. And when I see Caleb Williams continually show us who he is, I have my doubts about his future as the face of an NFL franchise. So... With that, let's go ahead and bring in Amber Harding, Outkick writer, to get a little bit more perspective on what I'm saying. Amber, good morning to you. Happy Monday. Hey, Charlie. How's it going? Uh, okay, so what is your thoughts surrounding Caleb Williams, um, his really lack of leadership that we saw several weeks ago? He jumped up to the stands, bawling his eyes out in front of the cameras to his mother, this time uh, with the regular season coming to an end, refusing to speak to a me the media, even though that is the quarterback's job. I mean, if anyone is going to talk to the media, it's them. So does this just scream that he's not ready 
to be in the NFL? Or where does your mind go when you see all of these instances? Oh, absolutely. And you took the words right out of my mouth when all of these people, and including the people who were responding to Ian Rappaport saying, oh, he's just a kid. He's just in college. But he's not a kid. He's 22 years old. And I know that not all of us were super grown up and mature at 22 years old, but he is an adult. And in the NIL era, he's making $3 million a year to play football. He's going to make more next year. And talking to the media is part of the job even if you don't like it. And most of them don't, a lot of them don't. There is not an athlete on this planet coming off a brutal loss that's gonna say, man, we really blew that. I can't wait to answer questions about it for the next two weeks, not a single one. So in the real world, we can't run away. We can't cry to mommy and cuddle our dogs whenever things don't go our way. So if he doesn't learn how to take accountability and face adversity, then he doesn't need to be a quarterback in the NFL. Yeah, I'm totally with you. Uh, when I put this video up on my social media a couple of weeks back, I mean, that was what everybody was screaming. He's just a kid. Who are you to say, you know, how a how a man should act and not act? And, and listen, I think there are different circumstances in which, you know, someone the other day tagged me in. It was yesterday. Um, which player was it? One of the players got carted off the field. Was it Joey Bosa that yesterday was carted off the field with an injury? I think it was. Um for the Chargers. Okay, yes, it was. Uh, and people were tagging me in that, basically being like, oh, look, a man, a football player is crying. Like, what do you think about that? And I'm like, listen, the guy had a horrific injury. It is not the same thing as getting a loss and jumping over the barricade to cry to your mother or refusing to speak in front of the microphone. They're just, they're apples and oranges, if you ask me. Absolutely. Those, those, those two things are not the same. And this, you know, that same game where he was crying, to his mom, um, they lost to Washington. And there was a Washington player who had actually lost his father. His father died earlier that week, it was unexpected. And he was crying to his coach. And that, that makes sense. That That is a completely different situation. So when you say that, and the people who wanna hate on you for, for saying that these grown men shouldn't cry like that, it's not that grown men should never cry. It's just that losing a football game, exactly. especially a regular season football game, um, is not a reason to, to cry openly in the stands with your mom. Well, and especially when you consider the fact that if Caleb Williams is drafted first in the NFL, he's probably going to a not-so-great team, right? That's why they get to choose first in the draft. So if he doesn't like losing, if he can't handle losing, if he can't lead in the face of losing, well, he is in for a rude awakening when he gets to the NFL. That is for damn sure. Uh, Amber, no let's move on now because the president of the Canadian Powerlifting Union, uh, Shane Martin, has resigned amid backlash from forcing female athletes to compete against biological men. This all coming, of course, on the heels of Canadian powerlifter April Hutchinson, who we spoke about a few weeks ago, getting a two-year ban for speaking out against trans athletes competing in the female category. So it's like, on one hand, we are seeing more women speak up and standing up for women. Uh, and it's really serving them well. On the other hand, we're starting to see more people speak up, which listen, either way it shakes out. I'm happy that more people are being very vocal about this atrocity that women are facing right now in sports. Uh, but what does this tell you uh, when you have two people who recently have spoken out in, in this sport of powerlifting, which honestly is just based on sheer strength alone. Like it's really hard to compare the capabilities of men and women in the sport and put them together. Um, what does this tell you when you hear more cases like this where there's terrible backlash of people trying to stand up for women? Well, you know, I'm actually, I'm so proud of April for, for speaking up like this and she's facing the consequences. I mean, she's being threatened with a two-year ban right now 
for just for saying like, hey, this isn't fair. But the funny thing is that the Canadian Powerlifting <laughs> Union, actually, their hand was kind of forced on this. Um, up until this month, they had a gender self-inclusion policy, meaning you could just decide what category you wanted to compete in, no hormones, no medical transition, no questions asked. And as you can imagine, that got abused, particularly oh, by, this, <laughs> by this one powerlifter who is a 40-year-old male. And in one competition this fall, he lifted 460 pounds more than the second place winner. <laughs> I saw that. 460 pounds. Like that's not a little bit. Um, so after that, the International Powerlifting Federation actually- 460 in. pounds? 460 yes. pounds is four of me. That's yeah, that he lifted exactly. four more of me than the than the best women in the woman in the competition. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. But there's no there's no biological advantage at all. Um but the IPF basically stepped in and said, you guys have to do something about this and really force the CPU's hand. So now they've changed their policy so that you have to identify as a female on a government issued ID. And you also have to test at a certain testosterone level for at least 12 months. So now this Anne is what was what he calls himself is not going to be allowed to participate for quite some time. Um, but the, yeah, the president yeah. of the powerlifting union didn't like that, that they changed the policy. And he said, I didn't, I didn't come here for this. And he stepped down. So, I mean, as far as I'm concerned, good riddance. Yeah. And I, obviously I, I don't have a science background. I'm just curious if you do test at a certain testosterone level for 12 months, does that still put a biological man and a woman on the same level? Or is there still going to be the biological advantages that, you know, despite having the different uh, medical operation or the, um, I guess, you know, the medications that you've been consuming uh, for the past year, is that going to put you on the same playing field? Well, I'm not a scientist either, or, but I, there have been yeah. studies that show- You're not? Okay, that, good. Yeah. <laughs> there have been studies that show that <laughs> if you go through male puberty, you still have that significant advantage. So even if you take Test, okay. Or if you take estrogen um, to lower your testosterone levels, you are still at an advantage because you went through male puberty. Okay. Okay. That makes sense. Uh, well, we understand the differences between men and women. Uh, I know that a lot of people do. Uh, they just don't talk about it. But we got a little bit of a treat this past weekend because Saturday, Saturday Night Live, uh, they took a little break from being woke, which we are oh so grateful for. And they went back to being genuinely very funny. And one of the skits that they did, it was called Battle of the Sexes. Uh, it was exactly that. Uh, they were mocking the idea of men playing women's sports. Did you get a chance to check that one out? Oh, absolutely. That, that was one of the best skits. So in good, time. right? Other, yeah. Other than the Nate Bargatze, George Washington one a few weeks ago, that was amazing. Um, but yeah, it was super funny. It basically was a spoof on the battle of the sexes. There you go. You can see Jason Momoa. He is the largest person ever yeah. to play tennis. Um, <laughs> I think he's Ronnie Dunster in the skit. Um, but yeah, so he took on uh, a female tennis player and uh, it didn't go well for her. As you can see there, she has a she has a hole blown through her stomach from his first serve. Um, but in the name of yeah. women, to prove that women are powerful, she had him serve again. And this time he took her head off. So <laughs> it just, it was, it just. I know. I mean, it. Yeah, I, I love this. And I love that they they made it so dramatic. So I mean, obviously, like the hole through the stomach is not going to happen. But it really just, they were very intent on making it clear 
I wonder, you know, there's always some seriousness, you know, like they say when people tell a joke, like there's always some seriousness behind people's sarcasm. Do you think SNL is kind of waking up and coming to their senses? I mean, I know not every skit is going to go in this direction or really tell the truth as it needs to be told these days to what has become an insane society. But are we seeing maybe a little bit of shifting of the tides at SNL, do you think? Or is this going to be the one-off that we're going to hang on to for as long as we possibly can? I mean, maybe maybe the pendulum is swinging, but I'm not sure because a couple months ago they had they had a whole lecture on why uh, sex change surgeries for kids are a good thing. So until I start seeing more yeah. of this, I don't have a whole lot of faith in in SNL. But this is this is a good start, and this was a this was a refreshing take over the weekend for sure. Okay, and then um, I wanted to ask you. Um, let me here we go. I got the tweet in front of me. Uh, so Amber, you are road tripping for Thanksgiving to Daytona tomorrow. I you word on the street. Uh, <laughs> and you've said you made sure your gas tank is full and tires are properly inflated. Your husband going to be so excited as he should be. Uh, and then you added that you're still going to pack way more than a person would ever need, but he has learned to pick his battles. Uh, you are talking my language. This is literally the biggest problem. Oh, I think all women have this problem, right? I actually oh, yeah. just tweeted, I tweeted a meme a few days ago and uh, a lot of people got a kick out of it. And it said only, you know, it was, it was a, the first part said only uses the same three things at home all the time. Me packing for vacation. Do I need to bring four French horns or five? <laughs> Which killed me because isn't that the truth, right? All of the things that you're like, you know what? I've never worn this, but this would be a good outfit for vacation. Uh, talk to me about your packing. Um, I guess your your process and and what's what's going in your bag for Daytona. I mean, you got to be prepared for everything, right? And the winter time is especially <laughs> difficult to pack because sweaters and boots they take up a lot of space, right? And I know people are going to be like, "You're going to Daytona Beach," but it's actually pretty chilly there, especially at night um, this time of year. Mm -hmm. So I still got to bring the warm weather clothes. But I'm actually I'm going to visit our, my mother-in-law. My husband's mom lives in Daytona, so we're not doing it's not like it necessarily a vacation we're not doing a ton of stuff but i gotta be prepared you know my husband can pack a couple t-shirts and a pair of pants and it'll last him the whole week i i have to be prepared for whatever happens men truly have it so easy not just from a clothes perspective but also toiletries like for as women we have to pack you know tools to get our hair styled we have to pack makeup i mean my skincare routine is stupidly ridiculous uh so you got to get everything in the little travel size bottles to get on there um so yeah men definitely have it easier but also i'll say on the uh regards to packing on vacation and i i do this wrong every single time i still have not learned my lesson I always think that I'm going to want to look really nice on vacation. You know, like I'm going to want to be dolled up. I'm going to want to be in dresses and heels. And, and then I get there and I'm like, no, I just want to be in sweats. And then I've left all of my comfy clothes at home because in my mind, I wanted to look cute the whole time. So hopefully this time, uh, because I'm also leaving town for this week and I can remember to uh, pack the best of both worlds. There you go. If you, if you bring everything, you'll be prepared for anything. There you go. I like that. Uh, okay, so I'm just going to make my travel partner deal with all of my extra luggage as well. Amber, thank you so much. Have a happy Thanksgiving, and we will speak soon. Absolutely. You too, Charlie. Outkick the Morning will be right back after a short break. Stay tuned. 
Okay, and moving on, now yet another twist in the Michigan sign-stealing scandal. A linebackers coach, Chris Partridge, was fired last week after it was discovered that he was trying to destroy evidence as it related to Connor Stallions. That was the coach that was going to all of the schools stealing uh, the signs of the various teams. Uh, now, even more intriguing, there is a mystery Michigan donor who goes by the name Uncle T. He is being investigated for funding stallion sign-stealing efforts. So, now obviously, I'm dying to know, who is Uncle T? How do we find out? How do we get to the bottom of this? Is it a past Michigan football player? Is it an alum of Michigan that is obsessed with Michigan football? Is it just someone completely random was way too much money and wanted to see like how all of this drama would play out if he put money towards this particular effort? I have no idea. But Uncle T, his name's got to start with a T, right? Unless like someone's just really smart to throw all of us off base. Um, let's, let's think on this. I, I have one idea floating in my head, but it's like totally a conspiracy theory, so I don't want to put it out into the universe right now. Uh, but Uncle T, we can only hope we get to the bottom of this because, of course, this just one more aspect of the whole situation that's going on in Michigan uh, that makes it all the more exciting. Uh, but whatever the case is, and, and exciting for me, by the way, not exciting for Michigan. Uh, they're going through hell right now, uh, except for the fact that the drama isn't really affecting them on the field at least not entirely, uh, but it did put a little bit of a wrench into their plans as far as getting that big victory over Maryland this past weekend. Uh, they entered the game, they were at 19-point favorites, but it really didn't look like it, except at the beginning. Uh, they got out to a very quick start, 23-3. Game ended at a final of 31-24, to so as you can see, it was a lot of Maryland uh, in the middle parts of that game. And if it wasn't for some late Maryland mistakes, maybe the Wolverines would have gotten their first loss of the season. That would have put their unbeaten streak to an end, but thankfully for them, it still remains. They're 11-0, and uh, and that became the, th the program's 1,000th win in history on Saturday, so a massive milestone for them. Obviously, Jim Harbaugh was not on the sidelines for them, uh, but now they set their sights on this weekend's game, another undefeated team, and like for the past two weeks, Harbaugh will not be on the sidelines as Michigan goes on to play Ohio State in the season finale. Uh, Sharane Moore, he will continue to fill in as head coach, but uh, talking about this big game that they have on their hands, Michigan has won back-to-back -back versus um, um, I'm sorry, Ohio State for the past two years. Last year, total beatdown. The Wolverines beat the Buckeyes in the Horseshoe 45-23. to That was a huge season finale game. And former Ohio State coach Urban Meyer famously has said, if you lose this game, no matter what, you're a failure. There you go. Good old Urban Meyer just sticking it to his team. Uh, but I tend to agree with that. But let's see if someone else agrees with this. And go ahead and bring in Jake Baguette. A former defensive end at the University of Arkansas. Uh, Jake, you also played a few seasons for the New England Patriots, and obviously you just heard me uh, talking about Michigan going on to play Ohio State, all of the drama going on in Michigan. Uh, Harbaugh was not going to be on the sidelines this weekend. This will be his third and final game of his punishment that he will be serving. He is allowed to be in practice. What do you think about this whole punishment in general, and do you think that after this game, his punishment... It will be enough. Do you think anything else needs to happen? Well, well, first of all, are you insinuating that the mysterious Uncle T could be <gasps> Tom Brady? Is, is that where you're going with that? Um, 
You know, I was going to get into that with you in a second. Who do you think Uncle T is? But we can go here now. Uh, yes, that was where my brain went. Uh, obviously, zero evidence. I am just solely going off of T. And the fact that I would imagine it would be a prominent alumni of Michigan that perhaps played football, which we do know Tom Brady played football there. I don't know. Is this crazy off base of me? I mean, Tom Brady has so much going on. I don't know why he would care what Michigan is doing and, and want to put maybe his reputation on the line for this. But I don't know. What do you think? Well, maybe people, you know, the, the Patriots would never be involved in any nefarious football activities. Uh, I can tell you that right now. Uh, no, it's, I, I don't never, know. Right? I, I love, I love conspiracy theories like this. I think it's pretty hilarious. Um, you know, I, I have no idea who's involved or who's not involved, but this thing, this story just keeps getting more and more fascinating. I mean, I, I really, I, I ignored it for the first part of the season, just thought it was, you know, a, a, a fluff, just nothing story, but really as this thing has started to unravel, um, it, it's really captured, you know, my attention and the, the attentions of so many fans across the country, because it's got everything. I mean, you've got. Um, you know, assistance, you know, this, this guy's a former Marine uh, and he's going out there, you know, utilizing military tactics, according to him, uh, to steal these signs. You've got boosters involved, allegedly. Uh, you've got the, you know, upper echelons of the coaching staff. I mean, I don't know, like this, this whole thing is really like to me, I don't think it's as big of a scandal as uh, a lot of the media are making it out to be. Um, you know, this is yeah, I mean, because like, it uh, happens you know, a lot. Right. Is that what you're. It, it, it happens. Is that, is that why you're all, saying all, all over the country at every level of football? I, I don't think the average fan mm -hmm. or average media member understands the links that coaches will go to get a competitive advantage. And like, yes, is it a gray area in terms of uh, sports ethics? Like, absolutely. But I, I just I don't think that it, it it goes to the point of of cheating or or goes to the point of some kind of a massive scandal. I mean these. These as long as in college football and high school football, they're still signaling in plays, um, you know, to the offense or defense. I mean, in, in, in some respects, you could argue those signs are fair game. Um, they're they're being displayed in a public manner on the sidelines. Um, so I I don't I'm not going to pretend to 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 you know, understand all the details of of what's being alleged, um, but I will say that I mean yeah, like it's this is something that different coaches do at many different levels of the game of football all over the country. Right. And I, th I think it's been blown out of proportion. Okay. And with his punishment, uh, he was prohibited from coaching the last three games of the season, Jim Harbaugh, that is. Uh, but he's able to be at practice, game plan throughout the entire week as they head into these big games. Uh, this last game against Ohio State will especially, especially be critical for him. Uh, as a former player, is it more important to have your head coach at practice or at the game? Um, I, I would say at the game, um, you know, obviously the, oh, the, okay. the head, the, the head football coach, um, you know, it, it depends on whether or not he's calling the plays in the system, um, which I don't think Jim Harbaugh is. I don't think he's calling the offensive plays or the, or he's calling the defense. Um, but you know, his presence on the sideline during a game really matters. Yeah. He's not, um, he's not know. able to do any of that. He, he's not able to be involved in any aspect of, game day so no I, I, just I'm, I'm just saying if he were there if Jim Harbaugh um you know on, on a normal game day if he's calling the plays or if he's calling the defense I'm not sure about that I don't think he is um but anyway what what, I, what I'm saying is that um you know a, a head football coach his his 
role in practice is not that not that involved. Um, you know, the coordinators handle that. Um, the position coaches handle that. Um, you know, some head coaches are more involved than others in generating the script and and kind of going taking the team through its it, its its offensive or defensive sets. Um, but I, I just think there's a big competitive advantage in having the head football coach there on game day in mm. terms of strategy, in terms of motivation, in terms of what happens in the locker room at halftime before the game. I mean, those are really important moments. And, you know, I'd rather have Coach Harbaugh there on game day uh, than having him there during the week to, to go through practice, which by the end of the football season, uh, I, I can tell you firsthand, I mean, a, a college football team can, you know, they, they can they can sleepwalk through practice by the end of the year. Uh, everyone's in midseason form. And really, you're just kind of, um, you know, rehearsing the other team's uh, specific uh, game plan. Okay, so obviously we saw what happened to them when they played Maryland. Uh, this was supposed to be a blowout of a game. They were 19-point favorites uh, heading into play Maryland. And it ended up being just a one-score game. Um, I don't know if that was necessarily the effect of not having Jim Harbaugh on the field. Maybe just all of the, the drama leading up to the game uh, was a bit of a distraction for the team. But what is... Your prediction as to what's going to happen when they go to take on Ohio State in the season finale, you think the drama is going to yet again be something that maybe throws them off base a little bit, or you think they're going to be able to put their heads together and, and get the win and keep that undefeated streak alive as they finish out the season? No, I, I think they'll be ready to play on Saturday. The, the Maryland game was always a trap game for Michigan, uh, coming off a big win against Penn State, and then having Ohio State looming, it was a classic trap game. On the road, Maryland's mm. having a decent season. Um, you know, they seem to be pretty well coached. Uh, Tua, um, his his younger brother is the is the quarterback there. I mean, that was a that was a trap game. They, they you know they didn't play their best their best ball, but they figured it out. A win's a win. I think they'll be ready to play against Ohio State. I, I honestly can't wait to watch this game on Saturday. I think it'll be fantastic with all the controversy, everything surrounding it. Um, you know, you've got Dave Portnoy you know, just going insane on social media about this. It, it really is great to watch. Yeah. Um, you know, I, and I just full disclosure, like I'll be rooting for Michigan. I mean, I, I think that the scandal is a little bit overblown. Um, you know, I, I think that, um, you know, the, there's a lot of, uh, there's a lot of anti-Michigan sentiment out there that is trying to latch on to the scandal to attack Michigan. Um, you know, I, I love the, the Michigan alumni network rallying around their team, obviously Brady, um, you know, it's, it's, it's just been fun to watch. Um, you know, I, I, I really think that, um, you know, Michigan is, uh, I, I think them beating Ohio state would be the most fascinating outcome. And of course I'm always rooting for chaos. <laughs> I love that. That makes two of us here. Uh, okay. Now let's pivot uh, back to your old team, the Patriots. And there's some reports as I'm sure you've probably heard that Bill Belichick is not going to be the head coach and GM come next season and that already his destination where he's going to land has been predetermined. Are you buying this? Do you know uh, something? I'm, Can you I'm spill it to us if you that. do? Yeah, no, there's, there's, there's no way that, that like, that's, if that's the decision has been made, um, you know, it's, it would, it would shock me if, if those moves are already in place. Um, it's, it's hard to keep that kind of information private. Um, you know, coach Belichick is, he's all business, you know, no matter what the record is, um, he's always going to show up and try to find a, a way to get his team a win, uh, put the best team, put the best roster out there that he can. Um, it, but it'll be fascinating to see what happens. I mean, it's just been so much has happened in the six years, seven years now, since, since I've been away from the franchise, 
Um, you know, obviously mm-hmm. with, with Brady's departure and, and just the, the, a lot of the, the roster almost completely turning over. Um, but you know, coach Belichick and Robert Kraft, the, the owner are the, are the two constants and, you know, they, they've always just had a, a you know, those, those are two giants of industry and, and sports. Um, you know, both men, you know, have very, um, you know, they're, they're both outstanding leaders. Um, you know, but it's, it's really hard to see, you know, what's happened, um, you know, over the past couple of seasons, um, you know, it's, it's, it's hard to see the Patriots at last in the AFC East. It's something that I never thought that I, I, I thought that I would see as long as Bill Belichick was the head coach, but, mm-hmm. um, you know, at, at the end of the day, you know, I've said this for years, it's a quarterback driven league. Um, and, and your, your, your QB one is the most important guy in the, in the room. And when you don't have a, obviously the Patriots don't have a solid situation there at QB one and when you don't have that in the national football league, you have absolutely no chance. Yeah. I mean, so that could be just a real reason why Bill Belichick hasn't been successful. Like you said, if you don't have the quarterback, uh, no matter how good you are as a coach, he's also serving as the GM might not make enough of a difference. Uh, if you don't have that leader on the field, uh, getting it done for your team like Tom Brady did, did for so long. Uh, now, finally, looking ahead to tonight's primetime game, we've got a Super Bowl rematch, Chiefs versus Eagles. Jake, who do you like in this one? You know, I like the Eagles. Um, you know, I, I think they've uh, they've got a pretty solid roster from top to bottom. Obviously, the the Chiefs are, you know, they're always going to be, um, they're always going to be, a favorite. I'm not sure if they're the, the betting favorite in this game, but they're, they're always going to have, they're always going to be dangerous when, when Pat Mahomes is in the game and healthy. I understand that, but um, you know, with the, with the massive contract extension that that Mahomes received, it's going to be harder and harder for them over the years to put together a, a great roster from one to 53. Um, you know, whereas the Eagles, um, you know, they've, they, they just, they built an incredible uh, incredibly talented, incredibly deep roster. Um, you know, obviously they're playing this game at home. I think that's correct. Um, I, I, I like the Eagles to win this game on Monday night. Uh, I think I think a lot of people uh, are ready to see the Eagles beat the Chiefs. Uh, whether it actually happens, we don't know. And also, you know, who we're going to be keeping our eye on is who Taylor Swift is rooting for because she's got a little bit of a conundrum here. You know, family favorite Chiefs. She's from the Philly area, but of course, her boyfriend Travis Kelsey plays for the Chiefs, or did I say family favorite Eagles uh, versus boyfriend's team, the Chiefs. So uh, all eyes will be on T-Swift tonight. Hey, Jake, thank you so much. Thanks for having me, Charlie. Outkick the morning. We'll be right back after a short break. Stay tuned. And finally, everybody, we have a date gone horribly wrong, and wait until you hear why. All right, so cheers to tricking that. Should I do? Should I break the TV? This is for all trans women in the world to get this suspected. Okay, uh, if we could keep that video rolling uh, to the side of me while I talk about this, because I want you to see how crazy this person went. Uh, They started absolutely destroying uh, the hotel room, the house that they were in, uh, going absolutely ballistic. Hold on, can you stop the prompter real quick? I'm, I'm not there yet. Uh, okay, so here you have, this is a trans person. And what had happened was their date found out that they were a biological man and they went absolutely insane. Why? Uh, why are you going insane uh, upon your date 
finding out uh, because the date left. The date wanted nothing to do with this trans person because they were under the guise that this was an actual woman. Uh, so I don't understand how this trans person can get upset because if I'm a man and I'm on a date with someone who I believe is a woman and then I find out they are a biological man, I am also going to be upset. And guess what? I'm getting the hell out of there as fast as I possibly can. This is so incredibly disrespectful on the part of this trans person to think that they don't have to be transparent about this incredibly, I want to stress incredibly important detail about their birth gender, just because in their mind, they identify as something else. There is totally a sense of entitlement among some in the trans community who think that just because they feel a certain way that people in society need to bend over backwards to affirm, that's their favorite word, right? Uh, Their deluded mental state. Plain and simple, if you're not transparent about your gender, this is called lying. There's really no way around it. Uh, It's a straight up lie. But this specific example aside, uh, I'm just going to say, in terms of transparency transparency and dating, I believe anybody who is on any type of date, whether it be with the opposite sex or the same sex, should have access to information that could be harmful to them. So, for example, genders aside, if you are a convicted felon, uh, I should have that information up front. If you are a hardcore drug user or hardcore alcoholic, or not even hardcore, just, you know, any of those things, I should have access to that information. Uh, Even, let's just say you are a man who doesn't want to have kids or get married one day. I should also have access to that information because all of these things are very important to me deciding whether or not we are even going to be compatible, like on the smallest, most superficial of levels. Uh, And these are things I should know up front in order to determine if there will be a second date. And, you know, if you don't be, if you're not up front with me about this, uh, I can't make the proper decisions that I know are going to lead me in the right direction. Uh, there's also some of the arguments of, oh, well, what if you are different religions? What, you know, there are different deal breakers for different people. I'm just talking about like the very baseline details of someone's life, uh, that I think should be presented up front. Uh, and I think that people have every right to know these things because their future is at stake as well. So I think that someone should present themselves in ways that could affect the other person. Uh, but you shouldn't drag someone else into your lies and then, like you just saw this trans person, get upset when they do find out and they want nothing to do with you or your twisted situation. Uh, so that's how I feel about this. I think that this video really just represents uh, how entitled a lot of people are these days and the fact that there was so much... I mean, just... Did you see? Like, they destroyed the entire room uh, just because their date found out that they were a biological man and they weren't upfront about that. So I have to wonder, how long were you going to try to keep up this lie? I mean... It just makes no sense to me. Uh, But unfortunately, these are the type of things we have access to. And this person decided to videotape themselves and put it on the Internet. So um, I'm not sure how they intended people to perceive them or for them to be portrayed. But uh, if you ask me, it was in a horrible light. And I think they did themselves a disservice of videoing this uh, because they just proved to the world uh, how big of a liar they actually are. Uh, Okay, everyone, that is all I have. Thank you so much for being here on Outkick the Morning on this Monday. Um, We're going to do it all over again tomorrow as we get geared up for the Thanksgiving weekend. Uh, Hopefully everyone has their recipes that they're starting to consolidate. Uh, Also, something we're going to do fun later on this week, we are going to go into the the city and we're going to talk to people about what conversation 
are you most not looking forward to having at the dinner table? Because we always know there's going to be some type of an uncomfortable conversation that's being brought up. So we're going to get into the minds of New Yorkers and see what they are dreading as Thanksgiving approaches. So make sure you're staying tuned to Outkick the Morning later this week for that good man on the street little feature that we've got. Um, okay, everyone, subscribe, hit the alerts, like, comment, follow me on social media at Charlie on TV, and we will see all of you, yes, every single one of you, tomorrow.